You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. We actually can transition to a society shaped by justice and love. We can imagine a different way of being together again post-COVID, and that way will be determined by the kind of people we choose to be during COVID. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 329. And our title this week is COVID and the Things That Make for Peace. In Luke's gospel, in Luke 19, 41 through 44, we read, As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace— but now they are hidden from your eyes. This passage has repeatedly been on my heart as we're all watching the systemic failures during the pandemic that we're facing here in the U.S. But before we go any further, I want to remind us of something about the Gospels. Most scholars believe the order the canonical Gospels were written in is Mark, then Matthew and Luke, and then finally John. In each successive Gospel, there is a growing tendency towards anti-Semitic references, and that trend climaxes with John. Today's gospel passage is part of a group of sayings in which Luke's Jesus warns of coming devastation in the region of Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. And many scholars believe that Luke's gospel was written after the fall of Jerusalem in 70 CE. And so as as we discussed uh, two weeks ago, the, the author connects Jesus's economic teachings of distributive justice and the, economics, uh, the economic elite's rejection of those teachings and, and the Jewish poor people's revolt in the late 60s. The, the author of the Gospel of Luke connects all of these. The poor people's revolt grew into the Roman and Jewish war of 66 to 69, and that resulted in Rome violently leveling Jerusalem in 70 CE. So Luke's Gospel tries to make sense of such devastation. But again, Christianity has a long anti-Semitic history of explaining Jerusalem's destruction as God's punishment of the city for rejecting Jesus. And I I don't believe that. Yes, the gospel authors connected Jesus's rejection with what later happened in Judea and in Galilee and Samaria, but they're also making a more organic, intrinsic connection between a society that rejected Jesus's teachings about redistributing wealth and restructuring the community to prioritize the poor on the one hand, and the poor people's uprising and revolt on the other. The results are not divinely imposed or arbitrary. They are the natural outcome of political, economic, and social causes and effects. Jesus calls for wealth redistribution. He called for economic distributive justice, just like the Hebrew prophets did before him, and prioritizing 
those the present system deems least of these. And that can offer so much to us, too, during this time. Today, as a result of the pandemic and the systemic responses uh, that we're witnessing, we're witnessing a co- consolidation of wealth uh, rather than a redistribution of it. Uh, the stock market has bounced back almost as if nothing ever happened um, due to much of the liquidity that's been poured into it and, the, and a massive transfer of wealth that took place over the last few months. Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, he's on target to becoming the first trillionaire, and yet people who who need help the most still simply aren't getting it. And those communities, our present system has left most vulnerable to COVID-19, they're suffering disproportionately while wealthy corporations keep making commercials saying we're all in this together. I just heard it on the radio again yesterday. All of us for sure being affected, but not all of us are suffering through this in the same ways or to the same degrees. Many are suffering in far greater degrees than others, while help seems to keep being funneled elsewhere. Jesus was warning his society not to ignore the calls for economic distributive justice in a temple state system that was supposed to collect surplus from the wealthy and redistribute it to those the poor, uh, the, the immigrant, those who needed it most, the, the, the widowed, the, the fatherless. Um, and again, that was in a patriarchal society as far as the widows and the fatherless. But it was still those who were the economic in that system most vulnerable. Well, will those in our future look back at us today during this time and, and say, if you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. This passage from Luke is gut-wrenching in its full context. It is a violent and graphic depiction that doesn't even spare children. And again, the fact that it was written after the fact explains that, that, that graphic detail. But this passage is part of a long Hebrew prophetic tradition of calling for justice and calling for systemic change. I, I listened to an interview recently with Rev, Reverend William Barber, And he describes the evil of the president of the United States using the Defense Authorization Act to make meat packers, that's just one example, go back to work, but not using that same Defense Authorization Act to make sure that they had the PPE protections and insurance or sick leave that they needed to go back to work in a safe way. The government used the Defense Authorization Act to force, pay attention to this, to, to, to force vulnerable populations to go back to work in lethal situations. And, and what the essential, an essential worker really means now is expendable because they're essential, but none of the interventions have been given to these workers. Uh, nothing has been given to them that's essential to protect them. And, and lastly, <clears throat> it's failed to give them also the health care that they and their families they live in contact with need when they will get sick. The entire interview uh, is worth listening to, and I'll give a link to it in this week's uh, e-site uh, interview with William uh, Reverend William Barber. Uh, Barber shared stories of of unnecessary pain, pain that's the result of how the pandemic has has been handled systemically. And he tells the story of of Polly, a nurse, uh, a nurse's aide 
in New York who said, I feel like we're engaged in mass murder. We're being led to mass murder. And she said, we have to buy our own garbage bags to try to have some covering. We don't have the masks that we need, and none of this was done up front. Uh, and Barbara goes on to say uh, to these vulnerable communities not being protected, don't believe the lies. These governors are telling us about the, the time uh, to open back up the society. Stay at home. Stay alive. Uh, he says, organize, organize. The Poor People's Campaign is demanding that the government do all the things it didn't do up front for us as a society to move forward and possibly overcome this pandemic, especially as we are now almost fully reopened and, and the pandemic is still with us. The day before that, I caught uh, the, an interview with Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas, who Union Theological Seminary, and, and how she interviewed Dr. Eddie S. Gloud Jr. He is the chair of the Department of African American Studies at Princeton University. And their interview on being the church in the time of COVID-19 is probably the most powerful interview, powerful conversation I've witnessed during this time. And it is very much worth sharing this week. You can listen to the entire interview in this week's Eastside. I'll put a link to the, the Facebook link to that. I think it was done on Facebook Live, but I'll give you the Facebook link uh, to that interview in the East Side too. But in this discussion, Douglas and Glaude, they, they make clear how COVID-19 ha has exposed the injustice of racial inequalities in the U.S. And it's not an aberration uh, of the U.S.'s experiment uh, with a white supremacist democracy and, as contrasted with an egalitarian democracy, but instead it's a reflection of the very nature of this country. COVID-19 has not created new injustices or inequities. It's helping people recognize these elements in our society that already existed. Our, our present crisis is revealing the, the fissures and the breakages to those who would rather not know or, or would rather remain ignorant. And, and it's, it's confirming what those who have been bearing the brunt of these injustices, black and, and brown communities, poor communities, elderly people, migrant communities, what they've known by experience all along. Douglas connects how Trump's executive order, like William Barber did uh, for the meatpacking industries, uh, those meatpacking pack, industries will be compensated for the loss of their labor. Uh, she compares that to how slave owners were compensated for the loss of their slave labor after the Civil War when they had no intention to care for the human beings producing their products. And Gloud ca uh, calls this the, the ugliness of, of, of capitalism. And it made me think of how indigenous communities have historically suffered and are still suffering as a result of our economic system. Capitalism has always placed profit, product, property, and power over people and the planet, and seeing both people and planet as, as disposable. And we're again seeing this its character in the clamor to reopen states while vulnerable people and communities are, are, are dying still at disproportionate rates. Essential, expendable, and disposable are all being shown 
to be synonyms. And, and what's happening is being chosen by those in charge at the expense of lives they deem disposable. And next, the interview transitions to the role that faith communities have during this time. And the final part of the interview, I think, is the most important. And I'll save that for you to listen to. But I cannot recommend that interview highly enough. Uh, you can, again, find the link to this interview and, and this week's e-site on our website at Renewed Heart Ministries. Just uh, It'll be right there on our homepage. Uh, it's the e-site by the same time title as this podcast. But, but this time asks us uh, all these questions. Who are we going to be? What will the heart and soul of our societies be? And I want you to take a moment this week and imagine how things could be different. Uh, this week, most of us don't have the resources at our disposal to make global change, but we do have within our power the ability to create local change. <clears throat> you can start today wherever this podcast finds you, within your family, within your circle of friends, within your faith communities, and the larger community outside of your faith community that you also belong to. We can collectively change the world. And that change, it starts right now with you and with me, with each of us. Another world I still believe is possible. It's not a world beyond our present material world, but as Dr. Glouds puts it, it's beyond the present iteration of our material world. It's a different iteration of our present material world that's possible, a different world here and now. And Gloud ends the interview with the call to both imagine a different world and voice the notion that we actually can transition to a society shaped by justice and love. We can imagine a different way of being together again post-COVID, and that way will be determined by the kind of people we choose to be during COVID. In this work of imagining uh, faith communities, they have a part to play uh, right now. Heart group application this week, we at Renewed Heart Ministries are continuing to ask all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. Please, though, stay virtually connected. I lead a heart group on Wednesday nights via Zoom. It's at 10 p.m. Eastern Time and 7 p.m. Pacific Time. Um, but but uh, that's a way for us to stay virtually connected and to, and to practice physical distancing. When you do go out, uh, remember, keep a six-foot distance between you and others. Wear a mask. Continue washing your hands to, to keep the spread of the virus at bay. Uh, this is also a time where we can practice the resource sharing and the mutual aid found in the Gospels. Make sure that others in your group still have what they need. And remember, this is a time to work together and prioritize protecting those that are most vulnerable within our heart group. Uh, how many ways can you imagine or come up with or creatively uh, 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 practice to take care of each other while we're, we're physically apart? So heart group application this week, number one, share something with your group that spoke to you from this week's Eastside or podcast. Number two, share something that spoke to you from the interview between Dr. G Douglas and Dr. Gloud. Uh, share something that spoke to you with your heart group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home 
uh, for everyone. Pick something from that discussion uh, to practice in this upcoming week. Thanks for checking in with us uh, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. Another world is possible if we collectively choose it. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.